This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principal. This is episode 304 with TJ Vari and Joe Jones, and I hope that you enjoy this interview. Before we get there, though, I do want to remind you that the fall listener survey is still open, but I'm going to close it up this week. So if you have not taken the fall survey, please do that. You can go to transformativeprincipal.org slash survey, and you can access it there, and I'd really appreciate your feedback. And most importantly, I want more guests. So if you can recommend a principal who's doing something amazing, I would love to interview them and share the story of what they're doing because you and I both know that a principal up the street from you is doing a rocking job and their experience and what they're doing needs to be shared. So take that survey at transformativeprincipal.org slash survey. And thanks so much for listening. Here's my interview with TJ and Joe. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am excited to have on the podcast today two superstars, uh, TJ Vari and Joe Jones. TJ is the assistant superintendent of Apo School District, and Joseph Jones is a superintendent of Newcastle County Botech School District. And Joe and TJ, welcome to the program. Excited to have you guys. It's awesome. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jethro. Very excited about this. Yeah, so I am excited to talk to you guys about your new book that just came out, Candid and Compassionate Feedback. And I've talked with a lot of people about giving feedback, doing observations and things like that. So I think most people understand why it's important to give feedback. But what I appreciate about your book are a couple of things. Number one, addressing head on this issue of culture of nice and how that's detrimental to our schools. Can you talk a little bit about the culture of nice and, and how that holds us back? Sure thing. I'll tackle that one first, Jethro. I think the culture of nice is just established in places where we have a fear of of offending people. And the result of that is often that um, the environment ends up being offensive anyway. So for example, one thing that we hear leaders do in a culture of nice is to ask questions to get people to understand something that they might need to improve. And the tactic itself ends up kind of baiting people down the line 
um, and, and offending people anyway. So we kind of switch that and say, that's not the place for professional dialogue. Um, it's more of a place for candid feedback and helping people to improve. And so we end up with this culture of nice um, on the inside of, of, of schools because A, everybody wants to be nice to one another for, for fear of offending each other. And then B, that, that lack of, of candor can actually be exactly what people are offended by um, in the long run anyway. And so we've learned, Joe and I, through our research and just through our own evidence as principals and school leaders that, that being direct and confronting reality is actually what builds trust. So there's this, this old adage that you have to go in and build trust and build a relationship and get to know somebody and then confront their reality and confront the reality of what's happening in classrooms. And that's just not how trust is built. Um, it, it might seem counterintuitive, but uh, we have to break down that culture of nice if we're really going to have trusting relationships where people can be candid with one another. And, and I'll just tack one more thing onto that to say that in, in a culture that, that breaks out of what we call the circle of nice, the candor is actually what is compassionate towards one another, where we're helping each other and we're pointing out places where people are doing great work and we're pointing out places where people need to add a layer or tweak something to make something a little bit better with a little more per precision, all for the sake of the kids. And so... Uh, we're plagued by a culture of nice in schools. And, and one thing that we, we really want to see is that schools work on their issues from the inside out uh, rather than letting some of these, these other entities permeate a school when we're not doing so well. So I'm sure Joe can add some, something to that. But um, that's what we're talking about when we, we talk about that, that trapped in a circle of nice. Yeah, thank you, TJ. Um, spot on. The thing, the piece I would add is candor is not rude. And we really want to be clear that we're not talking about suddenly being rude with people, being, you know, overly direct, calling them out. You know, we're in a world in which things like care, empathy, altruism is very much needed. In education, we find a lot of spots for that. What we're talking about is turning the corner so your empathy is backed with very concrete evidence also on how to improve. And we found that, you know, people do resonate with that level of candor as long as you're consistent. We find that a lot of people will start to rebel against it when they see inconsistency and trust begins to erode. Um, but if you're consistent, you're wrapped around your core values, you're always heading in that direction, and that's how your candor is aligned. Usually, we're not only seeing results, but we're also getting people to improve as professionals, the teachers and ourselves, which is at the end of the day, all what we want for the betterment of kids. So yeah, I would just add that little piece. Mm -hmm. So I got a couple of things that, that I took away from that. If you are like going to be nice and then once you build a relationship, then you can be honest with people. The problem with that is, is that once you spend all that time being nice, even though you know that there are things you need to say to help them improve, you then can't be candid because then you will come across as being rude because You've been in my classroom 50 times and only now are you saying that there's a problem? What about those other 50 times? Oh, you've been seeing it this whole time and you just never told me? 
that's not helpful or supportive to people at all. And then the other thing is there's this idea of sanctioned incompetence where people are doing things poorly and you're because you're being nice and trying not to offend anybody, you're just allowing those negative behaviors to continue when really you need to have a candid, clear conversation about how to fix it. And I think what you said, Joe, about having your empathy backed with concrete evidence is really, really powerful because then you're not just saying, hey, I'm a jerk and I'm going to put you in your place. You're actually saying, hey, I'm sorry that you're struggling with this and this is hard, but here's all the times where you've had these issues and now I have an idea of how to help you overcome this so that you're not in this position where, you know, people are thinking this about you without you being able to do anything about it. Is that a fair interpretation of what those conversations could look like? Yeah, I mean, that's spot on, Jethro. I mean, that's precisely what gets people trapped in a culture of nice. Um, And what happens is people are actually given that type of advice when they go into a school and we see such turnover with school leaders. And so you get a leader for two, three, four years um, at best in some cases, in, in some schools, in some systems. And we're telling people from the from the, the the start that their job is to build the culture and create relationships and try to be empathetic and sympathetic to people's environments. And all of that is, is good, but it, it doesn't work unless we're also going to use candor to confront reality, to ask critical questions, to be in the most important spaces in our schools, which is the classroom, and to do that frequently. And I think that type of direct, sincere, accurate feedback, that's what we're talking about. And doing that from the start is what school improvement is all about. So, I mean, one thing we've couched with the book is that it really, it should be candid and compassionate conversations, but but folks know in schools the word feedback a little bit more. But we we couch this not just in the feedback that you give the teachers in their classroom, but also PLC conversations, leadership team conversations, how you grow your teacher leaders. If we're not candid from the get-go, we will not build trust. And you're, you're spot on. Then when we go and say we're having an issue with something, then it becomes a surprise. That's not A surprise is not what builds trust with people. No. It's when we talk the talk and walk the walk. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a story where I think that this has happened. And I, I had a teacher who I, I went into her classroom and she was an older person, but new teacher. And my relationship with her was totally different than most of the other teachers because she had been in business before. And I went and did my observation and I said, I was candid about her performance and what she was missing and how it didn't align to our school goals. And honestly, I was nervous. This was only my second year being an administrator and I didn't know exactly how to do it, but I knew that she was doing it wrong and needed to do better. And it was, it was obvious. And so one of the things we were working on was was asking questions and asking questions that were not yes or no questions. And so this is like totally simple, silly kind of stuff. But I said in that observation, almost all of your questions were yes or no questions. And the kids did not have to show that they were thinking and they had a 50% chance to get it right, no matter what it was. And when they got it wrong, you didn't ask them why. You just said, nope, that's wrong and went on. And she was like, 
okay, great. Thank you. What do I need to do to fix it? And so I went through the professional development that we had had done the previous year that she wasn't there for. And I said, these are some of the things that you can do. She said, great, I'm going to implement that tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and and you can see it. And I was like, what? <laughs> but okay. So I went back. I saw her implement it right away. And that was the beginning of this really powerful relationship where I came in, was candid and honest with her about what she was doing. And she was eager to learn and change and grow. And she's she identified that culture of nice. She was the first one that identified it for me and said, nobody else ever tells me when I'm not doing well. So I appreciate you coming in and saying what's actually happening. And and so it became a conversation where she sought feedback from me and the principal and from her peers, but it was a conversation and that's what made it so powerful that she actually wanted to get that. And we had a great working relationship because of that. Yeah, that's a tremendous example. I, I would tease out very specific things that you did in that, Jethro. And so I... I think that you, one, identified the problem, you know, so that's a big part of communication. You identified a very clear problem, low-level questioning, yes, no, DOK1, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. but you identified a problem. Then you had evidence to back it up, which people want, and it also strengthens your argument. Um, But most importantly, you had a solution. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the crux of being candid and compassionate. You know, the day the day and age of us just identifying a problem as an administrator and not providing the avenue to improve is gone. You know, it's almost negligence or malpractice if we're going to suggest to a teacher to do something and not have the wherewithal to support them. So those three key elements built that relationship. And it also, as an administrator, set the tone. So when I hear you describe this, there's, it's, it's no, you know, it's, it's no wonder that you guys built a very strong relationship. And also it's not artificial. You know, we're not building a relationship on a sense that I'm hoping you do a good job. You know, I hired you to do a good job. If you're not exactly where we need you to be, we'll support you to get there. And then if those supports aren't working, then we have to have another conversation. Um, But so it's a great story. And I think it's evidence to that this does work. Being clear works. And it really can support people who want to do well. So I, I appreciate the story quite a bit. Can I, can I add to that too, Jethro, yes. that when people are confused about candor and being curt and rude, in that example that you gave, if you wouldn't have said what you were thinking and maybe you've taken the teacher down a path um, and she knew something could be improved, but you didn't, and then maybe later on after you've tried to build a relationship, you point out the things that you think she needs to improve. That's what's rude. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's rude about the system. Um, and 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 if I could be just candid myself here, like what you described was two people doing their jobs well. Right. Meaning the supervisor's in there to provide feedback and to support the teacher and to improve this, the teaching and learning. And the teacher's job is to try to implement new and different strategies to support students. And so kind of what we're getting at from the inside out approach that the Joe and I like to tout in the book is that we can do this. We can do this. We can knuckle down as a school system, as a school, as individuals, and we can improve our schools and we can improve classrooms and we can improve our culture. 
but it's not going to happen if we're in, if we're in a culture and nice and we're not saying what we think about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had a a boss who was on the other end of that spectrum who said, don't be talking to people about their weekends. Talk to them about their assessment results and their scores and stuff like that. And she was like way over on the other side, like don't have a personal relationship with people. Just talk to them about the data. And, and, you know, I don't think that that's a healthy approach either because you do need to have a good working relationship with people and it's got to be going both ways. And, and one of the things that you guys talk about are informal observations, things like learning walks or, or drop-ins or whatever you want to call them. Can you talk a little bit about how those informal observations and the feedback there does improve the conversations around the whole school? Yeah, absolutely, Jethro. We look at those much like a teacher uses formative assessments throughout a lesson. So that is the administrator as a coach. It's real time. You're looking to offer feedback And a lot of the times that lesson should be tied to the overall curriculum. It should be tied to like you were saying earlier about like the questioning. If that's been professional development throughout the year, are are the teachers using the PD or blended learning, you know, take your pick. But that's really what we're looking for here. You're, You're the coach. You're offering them very practical advice and feedback. And the reality is when teachers are teaching, um, very often, they're not even aware of some of the things they're doing. So, for example, uh, a grave mistake a lot of math teachers at the secondary level make is called funneling. They ask the teacher, the students, a question. The students begin answering the problem. As they go through the problem, if they have questions, you know, they will ask the teacher the question. And the teacher, even if they respond with a question, which is a good tactic. A lot of times that question though funnels them to the answer. It's not a just an open-ended. So these type of walkthroughs can really start to um, uncover or unveil some of the you know weaknesses a teacher possesses that can easily be fixed through the eyes of an expert. And as long as you have that relationship, that's what we're looking to achieve and do. Um, with those pop-ins and so on. Um, and I think done well, orchestrated well, that's where teachers will see far a far amount of growth. No way will a teacher ever grow by being visited once a year through the formalized observation process. There, it's just impossible. I mean, if it's 45 minutes and you're in your teacher's classroom once a year, you know, that's awful, quite frankly. We have to be in there often there has to be a relationship and there has to be an understanding of what we're trying to achieve um, with those visits. And I think as long as that's up front and clear and laid out, it usually is successful. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone, I don't remember who, but we basically said, if that once a year formal observation is the only time you're in a teacher's classroom, you might as well not even go in there then because it doesn't mean anything and it's worthless at that point. So there's there's just no point in even doing it or ever observing that teacher if if that's the approach that that you're going to take. You've got to have those conversations and you've got to have those observations, not to like trap anybody, of course, but to be able to, as we've been talking about, identify the things that they're that they can improve on that they may not be able to see themselves. 
it's a hundred percent correct, Jethro. I mean, the fact of the matter is if the informal feedback is frequent enough and done well enough, the formal observation should be a celebration of mm-hmm. what has happened to get there. When the timing is correct, if you time those observations throughout the year based on your teacher's needs, based on the relationship that you have, based on the number of times you'd like to go in, based on the type of informal feedback and the focus that you have for the school and the individuals, you really can see people grow to the point where the the evaluation tool and the performance management system is about celebrating. I think if we went into any school, probably any business in the country, we'll find that most people don't like their performance management system and their rubric and their evaluation tool. I don't see people, we, we, Joe and I do professional development around the country. We don't see too many people jumping up and down around their um, teacher evaluation system. But that, that, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean it can't be. If our informal feedback is frequent enough and it's quality enough and it helps people grow, by the time we go in there to see them for a formal observation, we ought to be celebrating the work that they've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another story on that at that same school, I had another teacher who was, you know, second or third year kindergarten teacher, and she would ask me to come do her formal observations when she was trying something new. And I was like, you do realize that no other teacher asked me to do this, right? And she said, yeah, but I mean, you're in here all the time anyway, so you might as well just like count one of these as the formal observation. And that was when I knew I was doing it right because she understood that that. I had so much data on her being a great teacher that whatever was in that formal observation wasn't really going to change anything. Even if she showed that she needed great growth based on, you know, the the tool, it still wouldn't matter because we were doing such good work in other areas. And of course, she didn't need extra work. She did a brand new lesson she'd never done with kindergartners, by the way. Come on, that's amazing. <laughs> and And she knocked it out of the park and it was incredible. And she made a lot of mistakes too. Like she didn't do things right and the lesson totally fell apart, but she she totally survived and was great. Well, that's a great point too. I, you know, we don't want to come off as if the, the walk-ins, the feedback, all of that is always built around poor performance. It's it's actually the right. opposite. Yeah, there there's no doubt that may be an element to it. But if you start observing poor performance, you know, the administrator should actually shift gears into a, a different approach. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're talking about is growth. You know, we preach to, you know, to kids and so on about having a growth mindset and the great work that's been done from, you know, Bandura to Seligman to Dweck to Duckworth. You know, we love all of all of those great thinkers. Um, but we find, TJ and I discuss this quite a bit, we find that we really should be getting in the mindset work among the staff and ourselves, not just the kids. You know, that we, we say to the kids, you have to have a growth mindset, but really among as us as educators, we want to learn and grow and embrace that mentality. And so I've learned so much from visiting classrooms, and I would like to think that I've been a value added to those teachers as well, because we're, we're doing this in a spirit um, for student success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been a great conversation. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. TJ, I want to ask you first, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I think it's just making sure that you're spending your time in the most important spaces in your school, and that's the classroom. 
being present, being visible. Um, it starts, Joe and I say, with the first 15 minutes of the day, fist pump and high five every single kid, every hallway, every teacher in that first 15 minutes to be present. And then thereafter, just making sure that any single block of time you have is spent in classrooms, talking to kids, talking to teachers, providing feedback. It's not The work is not done in an office and it's not done getting caught up in meetings. Uh, that stuff is important, but when kids and teachers are in the building, we spend our time with them. That's what's going to transform schools. It might sound simple, but that's what leaders need to do. All right, Joe, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? It's a uh, it's hard to follow that because I agree with TJ 100%. <laughs> Classroom is where it's at. I would say disrupt your day. We do get in patterns. You know, Speak to someone tomorrow. Um, that you haven't spoken to yet this year. There's probably someone out there that needs a touch point that you haven't connected with. Um, I would connect and and just get a par- part of that person's life quick. And I think that's just the awesome power of being a principal. That may be a colleague, that may be a, a worker, that might be the crossing guard, it might be a student, but it really opens us up to other dimensions when we willingly connect with other people. And if we're talking about transformation here, um, we got to disrupt our days by allowing other people in. Um, so I would say do that. Find someone you haven't seen or talked to this year or haven't talked to this year, start a conversation, see how their year's going and build from there. Yeah, I think that that is great advice. And people uh, can connect with you by going to the schoolhouse302.com and then also look for the Candid and Compassionate Feedback book wherever you buy books at, because it's probably there. Just want to thank you both so much for being part of Transformative Principle. And thank you all who are listening. And you can follow Joe Jones at Joseph Jones Sr. on Twitter. And TJ is at TJ Vari on Twitter. Thanks again, guys, so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thanks, Jethro. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.